This episode is made possible by our sponsors, CSU Ramzone, powered by the CSU Bookstore, a great sponsor of our Pick'em and Bracket Contest all year long, Ginger and Baker, which is our favorite restaurant on the planet, and of course, our title sponsor of this podcast, Peterson Toyota. It's 2024, and you may be thinking this is the year for a new car. Well, let me introduce you to the all-new 2024 Land Cruiser with no fuss, no muss, just the way you remember it, with prices starting in the mid-$50,000 range. Land Cruiser brings back the thrill and excitement of exploring unfamiliar terrain with its remarkable capabilities and legendary reliability, while paying homage to its historic roots of over 65 years. Peterson Toyota can hook you up with a test drive. They're your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tenmouth. They've been doing so for more than 50 years. Not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find friendly and accommodating staff eager to assist you. You'll also receive first-class attention, whether it be for a service appointment, help picking out the right part for your Toyota, or test driving a new or pre-owned vehicle. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the one that's right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do, and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Cantalamessa with my two cohorts, Michael Rowe, Steve Ivey, emergency bitch session. We needed some therapy here, so rounded up the crew so we could figure out what the heck is going on with our beloved Ram basketball team. It's been a rough first road trip of the season, Mountain West road trip. A uh, disappointing loss at Utah State. The other night and then last night, Wednesday, is this Wednesday? Tuesday night uh, at, in Boise, a tough 65-58 loss. Um, season high, 16 turnovers was a big difference in the game, obviously. Rams played their worst half by far uh, of the season, 21 points in the first half, uh, 10 turnovers in that half, shot just 43%. Um, you know, in, in, in the defense – Gave you a shot, held Boise State to 39% shooting. But, uh, you know, outside of that, just didn't get enough big play from your stars, didn't get enough from your bench. Too much fouling and and not enough, to me, it seemed like not enough getting to the rim and drawing fouls. So uh, I guess uh, let's start, throw it out there to both of you boys. What went wrong last night? (laughs) I'll start. Um... I think the turnover thing was uh, absolute killer, um, you know, the, the first half. And, and let's be honest, uh, Isaiah played his worst game of the year. That's not a guy that uh, you expect to see play like that. And, uh, you know, if you listen to I did a, I did an emergency podcast on my thing this morning. His worst games in his career in terms of turnovers have come against Boise State. He's had eight turnover games, seven turnover games. This was three years ago when he was young and he was playing a little too fast sometimes. And uh, I think he did kind of the same thing last night. It's not what we're used to seeing out of him. He usually plays fast, but not uh, uh, usually makes very good decisions playing fast. I don't think there was a lot of good decision making going on. So it started with the turnovers. Defensively, they were fine. They were holding Boise State down, but uh, turnovers, quick shots. Um, I the, the perfect example to me uh, came right at the end of the first half when there was like 38 seconds left and CSU had the ball. And for some reason, Nick Clifford decided they were going to try and go two for one 
and throw up a horrible shot six seconds into the shot clock. And there's no way you're going to get a two for one starting with 38 seconds. It was just something they needed to work the ball, get a good shot. They were fortunate they didn't give up a basket to Boise. They played a really good last possession, but just hurried offense, turnovers, um, and uh, and then it pretty much continued into the into the second half. It was the 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 most frantic, unclean, unintelligent game that uh, that this team has played this year. I mean, I think I think you nailed it. Um... They struggled, and man, I don't know if he was watching Jokic from Sunday and decided, you know what, I'm going to try to get the team involved, but he would drive the lane, and he looked like he'd have that shot, and then he would just try a snap pass out that would kept getting stolen, and, and I want to say that happened like five or six times in that first half, and I get it, you want to try to get your teammates involved, you want to try to get it going, but he was killing the team, and there's another stretch just like the Utah State game when we didn't have any scorers on the floor. And, you know, it didn't hurt us as much yesterday in that first half. We actually kind of extended the lead because uh, of Josiah Strong on, on that run. But it's hard when you, when you don't have somebody that you know that can put the basket, the ball in the basket and in. You know, it killed us against Utah State when we had the 10-point lead and they came back within four in the first half. And like I said, we, you know, Josiah Strong was able to do it yesterday. Um, you can't have your two most important people in the program, your head coach and, and your floor general, have bad games, and, and that happened yesterday. Uh, There's a couple times I thought Nico was just off on his rotations. Uh, you know, Steve, I know you, you, we talked about one thing late in the game, kind of worrying about something else and, and letting something else slide, uh, in that. And then Zay's performance, it, it just was very un Isaiah like, and, and it killed us. But again, we just played our worst two games. We almost won them both. They were literally our two by far the, two worst games that we have played this season and we had a shot to win it at the end. And I'm not too upset. Obviously I wanted to win those games. I'm not too worried. I, I think there's way too many people that are way too upset. There's nothing wrong with being mad, but I'm still confident in what this team's going to do this year. And I don't, I mean, Steve, you put out our metrics that actually went up in some, <laughs> Two losses and we've moved up somehow. Yeah. And I, I, I still think we'll be ranked next week. Uh, I think we'll probably be coming in around 23rd, 24th, 25th. Uh, because we're a good team. The stuff that happened in non-conference is because we're a good team. We got dealt a hard hand to start Mountain West play. And I think people are ignoring both those. You guys both brought up Zay, and uh, I think what's surprising to me is when, when you hear the superlatives about Zay and what we all feel about Zay is it's like one of the smartest basketball players you've ever seen. But there's in the last two or three games, there's been some things I'm like, Zay, what are you doing, man? Like just like Mike, you said, turning down that that floater that he makes 90 percent of the time from 15 feet out or, you know, to kick it out. Instead, last night there was a play I think he could have dumped off to I don't remember if it was Pat or Neek. 
for a dunk and instead he kicks it out to Joe Palmer who who bricked um and then you go back to like the uh, the New Mexico game remember where it was like just under two minutes left I think we had an eight or nine point lead and he launches up a a three with 30 seconds on the shot clock I'm like that is very un Zay like <laughs> so I don't know what's going on I don't know if he's trying to do too much if he's feeling pressure about trying to put his stamp on some of these games or what I, I just don't know but uh it was it was a surprising performance uh from Zay for sure um you know there was a point in the game where CSU pulled within four I think it was 41 to 37 timeout Nico takes Zay out puts in Kyan Evans and really bad turnover right off the bat from from Kyan um, and I, I think it was a, a one of like two or three in that next minute that we had. And they go on a 9-0 run and they immediately had to put Zay back in. It was a 13-point deficit all of a sudden. You know, I, I know you got to get Zay some spells here and there. Um, but in general, uh, you've seen some discussion about this on the message boards and in social media. It, does there need to be some shortening of the bench at all at this point, Steve, Mike? You know, let me let me speak to that because that's a it's such a tricky question and such uh, Monday morning quarterbacking when you when you look at what happened. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to pull the strings and sometimes you're lucky and you pull the strings the right way and sometimes they don't go right. Kyan has played very well in a, in a substitutes role, but maybe last night was uh, just a little too much. You got to figure being in front of twelve thousand people against a team and a. You know, a Boise State team who's good, who hasn't lost at home, and you know, they had a 21 game winning streak, the longest in the nation. And you go, maybe it's a tough spot, and maybe it wasn't a smart decision to put uh, Kyan in for that uh, for that spell. I'm sure he wanted to keep him in for three or four minutes, and he was only in for a minute. Next thing you know, the game got away. I sent a text to you guys that we just lost the game, and we all kind of knew that. You go immediately, you, you had cut the lead to one. You're kind of creeping around. The next thing you know, the, in a minute, the, the lead is uh, the, the deficit is nine points. But, you know, I, in terms of shortening the bench, you're, you're always trading off something else. And that's the uh, that's the development of, uh, of players that you're, you might need. And and that's that's very much where you know, Nico's head is at is he's it's is a program where he's going to play people and develop them and ask yourself this. Where would the season go if Isaiah Stevens got injured for three and had to sit out three games? What do we do at point guard? And if you're not giving a guy like Kai and Evans minutes right now, um, you're in a you're in a tough place. And so, you know, the shortening of the bench it might be a little bit too early. But you know, again, it's uh, I I would have gone done a little differently. I think I would have stayed with Zay for all uh, every minute of the uh, the second half. Boise plays their starters predominantly the entire half. There's no reason why we shouldn't have matched up with them, but that's Monday morning quarterbacking. Exactly. If we, we still have 15 games left in, in conference play. We got to have fresh legs at the end of the year. We don't want to burn through Zeke and Clifford and, and Cartier now because the games at the end are what's going to matter, not the first three games of, of your uh, conference season. But, man, it was those backups that blew it open against Creighton. It was the backups that blew it open against – that had that huge run against CU. It was the backups that blew it open against New Mexico. So this all of a sudden, like nine days later or seven days later, oh, we got to shorten up the bench. No, we don't. We don't. 
again, I think that we need to make smarter choices on our rotations. You know, I was, I was, I understand. I, I love KC. Kind of was surprised that Tavy wasn't getting in there, especially since he has played in front of that crowd before, especially that he has had experience two games against Boise, against, against this uh, pretty much the same backcourt that they had last year. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's no need to shorten up the bench right now. I don't, I don't see it. And, and you're right. You know, Steve, you and I talked about it. Was it after the New Mexico game or was it uh, about how much fun those guys are going to be watching next year? And that, that starts now. I mean, it really does. Nico's building a program. It's not, he's not putting everything into this year. He's building a program and, and he's going to win this year and he wants to win next year and, and shortening up the bench too much. That's not going to happen next year. Yep. Right on Mikey. Is, is there, are there changes in the rotation that you feel strongly about that you would make on um, you, you, you mentioned Tavy, Mike and Steve, I know in our private conversations, that's a guy that you'd like to see get more minutes. Any, anything that you would, do differently than, than what Nico had going last night? You know, the, the one thing that I would point to, Joel, is, you know, we've we've kind of survived, had to survive the last uh, how many games ever since uh, November with Jalen Lake with a broken finger and Josiah Strong with a broken wrist. And, yes, they're playing, but they're not uh, – neither one of them is back fully fit. You know, they're, they're, they're playing their way back into it. Josiah still wears a brace on his left wrist. Um, but if you go back to when we were clicking and you go back to the lineup uh, that was working, it was Josiah in the starting lineup and Jalen coming off the bench, at, uh, the bench and both playing, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. They're both getting minutes. But um, I think we saw yesterday Josiah did a great job. He was one of I thought he and Neek were were probably our two best players. Um, I think. I would, if I were Nico, depending on, and I don't, we don't know the health situation, but I got to think uh, we're ready to see Josiah Strong back in the starting lineup and Jalen Lake moving back as that first guy off the bench and still getting starters minutes. But getting back to, to Tavy um, versus, uh, versus Kyan, um, you know, Tavy has a lot more experience from last year. Um, and the only reason Tavy was behind this year was because of injury and because of illness. And, you know, in terms of performance, um, I think Tavy's probably had a little more impact than, uh, than Kyan in the last few games. Uh, certainly in the New Mexico game, Kyan had a good game against New Mexico, but Tavy was fantastic. Didn't score a lot, but boy, he was all over the place uh, defensively, and he really made a difference against New Mexico. And um, maybe we're looking at uh, Tavy being the first guy in uh, – uh, to, to, to give Isaiah a blow and then uh, Casey getting some minutes in the first half. I don't know. But I think the strong coming back into the starting lineup uh, is going to be something to, to look for as, the, uh, as we get into next week. Exactly. I, uh, I mean, again, we talked. Nick, Nick and Josiah were the, our best players yesterday. I, I thought Josiah looked really good. And if he's not 100% healthy to start, I – I go with Tavy at the two and then let Lake Lake and, and Strong come in as the sixth and seventh player. I honestly think that Tavy's moved ahead. I mean, love Joe and he brings that excitement and 
that energy in, but I think Tavy's been doing a lot more for this club about the last five or six games. And again, remember the in the end of our non-conference, Tavy started. He was getting those losing Mike. We're losing you lose a little me bit. on that. A little bit. A little bit. You turned into uh yeah, like a robot there for a second. BFM. But we got most of it. Yeah, like BFM. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, let me let me shift gears here. I don't want to get into pinpointing all the individuals that are struggling right now, but I do want to ask you your thoughts on Joel Scott, who was really, really good early season. It's Still early season. Well, we're not even halfway through. We're just about halfway through. But he, he struggled the last two or three weeks. Do you – just an issue where you let him play through that, figure it out? Do you, at some point, reduce minutes? Or how, how do you solve that? Uh, from my perspective, Joel, I think you need to just play it out. I <coughs> – excuse me. I think we've seen the good side of uh, what Joel brings. Um, and he can certainly play against uh, – against top teams. He played very well against Washington, very well against CU, very well against Creighton. So you're not talking about a guy that, uh, that just built up stats against crummy teams. He's been fine. And I see uh, this team is dependent on him. Um, There may, you may call it a little bit of slippage uh, in the last few games. And certainly they don't look as smooth and his numbers aren't as good, but he battles he didn't have he didn't have a great game offensively yesterday, but he had seven rebounds, and he had a lot of the things stuff to do trying to guard Tyson Degenhart. And don't forget, Tyson Degenhart's a first team All Mountain West player, and Degenhart didn't reach his normal numbers yesterday. He he didn't get a lot of shots off against Joel, so you know he he definitely contributes. But uh, if for C for CSU to achieve what they really want to achieve, it, he definitely needs to switch on a little more. And I, I think he's in his own head right now, offensively. Like again, I mean, he's get, he got those rebounds, playing pretty good defense, and I I think he's just in his inside his own head, missing some bunnies that he knows that he can make. And again, he, I mean, you go back and you talk about the Washington game. I mean, it was his dunk that finished it off. You know, he can get up and in for whatever reason. He's just seems like he's hesitant, like he doesn't want to miss. And then he puts a layup short, or he goes up too strong, and and he bounces it off. You got to let him play through it. Uh, although I I do love what we're seeing from Memba. He's just got to get healthy, and, and again, not pick up freshman fouls or bull bull crap moving screens, which he which he's got called for the last two games. That was that was Leon's call last night. That wasn't the ref's call. <laughs> we talked him into it, huh? Yeah. There's yeah. Oh, he, just he it's just like the ten, three. Ten minutes before, ten minutes before, uh, Leon was uh, was uh, during a timeout. Leon was talking and demonstrating what Mabemba does when he sets screens. Ten minutes later, they call a moving screen on him, and it was right in front of Leon. So it was it was called by Rice ten minutes earlier. But that's neither here nor there. Getting back to Joel, you know, one of the things if you if you notice, Joel's a Joel's a forty plus percent shooter from three point range. Historically, he's fallen off. He started out shooting the ball well, and he looks a little unwilling right now to shoot that three pointer. 
And it's important that he get the confidence and start firing that thing. He hit the big one that was the dagger against Washington. Um, he is not really shooting the three very well. He hasn't weighed, made one in about a month. He's been had a lot of 0 for 1, 0 for 2 games. and But he's got he's to get confident. He's got to develop it in his head that he's got to shoot that shot. You saw how that freshman shot for uh, Boise State yesterday. He wasn't afraid to shoot three-pointers. That kid's a 33% shooter coming into the game. That's what won the game for Boise. You got to be confident that you can make the shot. So um, he he needs to he needs to develop it. Same for the free throw line too. Like beginning of the year, I mean, in some of those games that started getting tighter, he was knocking down the shots when they were fouling him when they were putting him on the line. And I mean, we all saw what happened against Utah State. I mean, he struggled struggled as a freaking man. And then last night he he gets fouled early and misses and you like I said he's in his own head right now and yep. he'll get out he'll 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 get out of it. Yeah, I'm not. I he's he's a quality player. He's a really really important player to this team and he's a quality player. You know, speaking of the free throws, the last two games he's three for eight. He's a seventy percent seventy to seventy five percent career shooter, uh, but he's shooting in different environments. Um, it's a little tougher, and it's don't forget, it's a little new for him to play in front of twelve thousand people. Um, he'll get better, and he'll be he'll come around. I'm not worried about Joel at all. Um, just like I'm not worried about Joe Palmer. Joe was over four yesterday. Those were wide open looks, and uh, he didn't make them. But he's a he's a, a great shooter. He's helped us win games. He's going to be continue to be a dynamite player off the bench. You know, I had a, a little discussion. There's a guy that does a podcast named Tom Moser, and Tom. Uh, uh, he does a Mountain West podcast, and I sent a text to him uh, yesterday about uh, the kid from uh, Boise going three for four and, and Palmer going 0 for four. You switch that around, the game's different. And uh, what the guy fired back, and he's a coach. He's a, he's coaching at the D3 level, and he said, that's what happens to role players. At home, they make shots. On the road, they miss shots. That's what happened yesterday. Um, it'll be different when we get home. All right, let me tell you about Ginger and Baker. Stop in for an amazing dinner at the Cash, where you can enjoy fine steaks, chops, good whiskey, or select from their award-winning wine list. And the Cafe Restaurant just dropped their winter menu a couple weeks ago. Come on in for some of Chef Ryan's comfort food done right. Some of the highlights include tiramisu French toast, sloppy joe egg rolls, pumpkin apple bisque, bison chili, quinoa stuffed squash, blackened salmon, and Ginger and Baker's classic pot pie roast made with Wagyu beef. Ginger Baker also features a coffee shop, event spaces, a market, and a teaching kitchen, the latter of which has great events all month long, but they sell out quick, so you got to get in early. I mean, listen to some of these upcoming classes they have next week, pasta from scratch, winter in Paris, Italian countryside cooking, the perfect steak, Asian street food, and much more. Check out gingerandbaker.com slash calendar for a full list of classes and other events. This place is amazing, guys. Support our friend, Ginger Graham. Treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. Why so few minutes for Bemba? I think he's uh, in the last three games, went seven minutes, 10 minutes, and 11 minutes. Is it, well, I know one of those games is a little bit of foul trouble. Uh, is he not fully healthy? Are they just not trusting the freshman to get key time here? or? Are you surprised with his lack of minutes? I think the fouls have been the issue. They're certainly the issue against Utah State. He picked up three fouls in virtually three minutes of, of floor time. Uh, had to come out of the game. And, that, you know, once you get the three fouls, 
you got to sit for a while. You're useless with three fouls. You know, you got really only got one more to give and you got to still be able to play aggressively. So I think it's been, been foul issues. And like Mikey said, um, the uh, moving screens, they got to stop. Um, everybody sets them. Everybody sets moving screens. They call them on freshmen. They don't call them on seniors. Um, and he's got to be a little cleaner in terms of his uh, setting of screens. He's a big body. He knocks people around. Um, so he's got to just, he's got to play a little cleaner and play a little better uh, defensively uh, in the paint as well. And not, not foul as much. He's played fine. I, and I'd love to see him get, you know, 15 minutes a game for sure, but uh, he's not going to get that until he stops fouling. Yeah, you know, I mean, exactly. Degenhart just destroyed Zay on a pick, nothing called. And and Mimba gets ran through, and he picks up the the moving screen. You're right. I mean, it's it's it gets called on freshmen. It doesn't get called on twelfth year seniors. Well, uh, last two games, Utah State in the Utah State game, they had twenty three foul shots to our eleven. It was uh, 15 fouls to 21 fouls. Uh, Boise State, 23 foul shots to our 10. The foul count was 12 to 17. So, um, you know, first, is this partly on CSU for not doing a better job of defending without fouling and and also for not on the other end of the ball or at the court attacking the rim enough? And, um, and Steve, particularly for you, you shared some interesting data on Monday in your podcast on why taking fewer free throw attempts has other detrimental effects in a game. Would love to have you kind of expand on that a little bit for anyone who did not hear your podcast. Um, but yeah, can you talk to to both of those things? Yeah, it, it has to do with, you know, it's really the importance of free throw attempts. So makes are important. You really want to make your free throws and, you know, the, 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 the shooting at Utah state was definitely subpar when, when Zay shoots one for three, Nico for one, and I think Cartier was one for three as well. I mean, when those guys are 80 to 90% shooters shoot two for seven, they, they gave up five points at the free throw line. That was the difference in the game. But getting to the, the point I made, um, it's easier to set your defense when you're shooting free throws. And so there's a tremendous effect, not just on your offense, your ability to score, but your ability to uh, prevent the other team from scoring because usually when you're making free throws, even when you're missing them, you've got a few guys back already. The other team is going to score in transition off of a make a made free throw or a missed free throw. Um, you've got guys back, and so you can set your defense. So the quality of the defense, the defense is much more efficient. Turns out CSU's defense is really, 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 really gains a lot when they get to the free throw line. So, um, in fact, as much as it's like a 20% efficiency gain, uh, when they're uh, when they're shooting free throws, so that's that's that was the point I was making. It's important you get to the line. It's important you make the free throws as well. Utah State did both, and that was that was a lot of the difference in the game uh, against Utah State. Uh, they bullied us in the paint. We fouled them. We didn't defend as well as we needed to, um, and they made free throws. They outshot us. They made twenty dar. 20 to R4. Yesterday was a little different. The Boise State game, there were a lot of made free throws at the end. Um, there were there were like eight made free throws and a lot of fouling done in the last two minutes. And so the disparity wasn't as dramatic. We fouled them a little bit in the paint, but that's not, you know, the game yesterday, 
we outscored Boise in the paint. We did a good job in the paint. We did a good job defensively holding them to 38 or 39 percent shooting for the entire game. We played well enough defensively. Um, we didn't get to the line as much as uh, we needed to. That would have helped. But ultimately, it was uh, our uh, throwing the ball away and then missing wide open shots that beat us yesterday. A little less from the a little less to do than the uh, than the free throws. Well, defense travels, but uh, you still got to be able to put the ball in the ocean. So uh, it, it it is encouraging that we're still playing good defense. But uh, man, just too many turnovers and too many missed chippies, and not just chippies, but a lot of missed threes last night as well. Um, you can usually count on Nico to make really good adjustments in the second half. I mean, I, it's like almost every game I'm you putting a second half bet on CSU because we play so well in the second half for that very reason. So, uh, but last two games has not necessarily been the case. We haven't had that magic touch. Why have we not been as good in the second halves? It's just a case of going on the road and tough environment and getting outplayed. I think it's as simple as that, Joel. They need to play better. I don't think we, I don't think we did anything, uh, anything wrong last night uh, in terms of uh, any adjustments they might've made that they played well enough defensively to win the game. Um, usually we make adjustments defensively uh, offensively. They just, they didn't turn the ball over as much in the second half, but I think they probably played just a wee bit smarter, but they still, they still couldn't make a shot. And, you know, what do you do? What adjustment can you make at halftime that, causes a guy to make a three-pointer that's wide open. You know, that was ultimately part of that's on the, on the players. They got to make shots. They don't, they call it basketball because you're meant to put the ball in the basket. That's kind of the objective of the game. And ultimately it, it's a very simple game. You put it in the basket, you keep the other team from scoring, uh, scoring, putting the ball in the basket. And it's, it's, it was as simple as that. I think last night, Boise, came out they out toughed us i i you know I, I told you i did a i did a little bit of an emergency podcast today there was one thing i didn't like yesterday um and i thought it was i i, I wasn't calling the player out but i used it as an example um jalen lake yesterday we were probably going to lose the game i think we were down six with like 30 25 seconds to go or, or whatever it was and uh we sent their point guard who's a terrible free throw shooter to the free throw line and he had two free throws Roddy Anderson he missed the first and he missed the second and it was a simple rebound all Jalen had to do was put his butt on uh, Max Rice and the ball would have fallen right to him he didn't box out the ball must have bounced twice and Max Rice got the ball and Jalen had to foul him in the sh uh, right away. And it was like, it was lazy. It was, but that's, that was, it was a soft play. And I've seen a few plays like that where guys go into double teams defensively uh, where they, they don't go in with the intent to really be tough on the double team. They go through the motions and you got to follow through on that double team and get real fish, real fierce, real physical, high hands, really crowd into the guy's space and you can't back off. And I, I saw a little bit of that in both these games. And so they're going to, I'm sure the coaches will show them the film and they're going to go, what the hell is this? Um, because you're too good to do this. That's not the play a winning team would make. I, I Again, I'm not calling out Jalen um, because other guys did it. It was the one that was the most memorable because of the last one I saw last night. Yep. And on that play, Cartier came in, uh, between the first and second shot and pointed him out to go 
to go to that block for that reason right there to because he could box out rice and yeah it didn't happen it didn't happen well now now behind the eight ball for uh conference title still obviously early three games in but you're one and two you still have road trips to nevada san diego state new mex unlv i mean you'd be lucky to win one of those four much less any more than that even if you do that uh and you go one and one and three your your five losses in league play and that's probably right at or maybe even over the cut line for being in contention for the title i mean it's uh this pretty much puts a lot of pressure on you to win basically every other game on your schedule just to stay in the hunt. And it's, it's strange because it's not like these two losses are shocking. Uh, both are very tough places to play historically. It's hard to win at both of the places we just went to. Uh, but I, I think for me, it's the fact that we just didn't look the same part that we had earlier in the season that to play so poorly was disappoint was very disappointing. Um, I, I know that people are enamored with, the metrics every after every game. Well, our metrics didn't drop, and hey, we'll still be ranked. And I get it because it's kind of cool. It's been nice to to be in the headlines and to to see your your scores on the ticker because you're part of the top twenty five, right? But I, I personally would love a league title. It's I've been a fan for thirty plus years, never seen one. Uh, not counting the the three game run in the two thousand three tourney that I know you remember very well, Steve. Uh, but uh, I I just I think three games into the conference play, I'm feeling a dagger already. And it's, it's bothering me. <laughs> are, are you, uh, are you panicked like me? Are you, it does sounds like you guys are more level headed than I am. Yeah, Joel, I'm not panicked at all. You know, we just, it's kind of the, the luck of the draw that CSU opened with three of the top teams. Um, you know, you're talking about three. Uh, if you looked at the, the Ken Palm rankings, the average Ken Palm ranking is 40. You're looking at two, two, uh, quad one and one quad two games these are all three high level games um and it's just the luck of the draw if you look at uh at who teams like san diego state have played they opened with fresno they got unlv at home and they got san jose state on the road average uh net of those three teams is like 160 so it's like it, we got the we got the bad part of the draw. Now, am I panicked? Am I happy? No, because it would have been nice to get one of those games. Uh, the league title is a big goal of this team. I think as fans, we really want to see a league title. But um, I think you're looking at, you know, so we had Boise had an extra day of rest against us. Uh, it's there's all kinds of little factors that, that go into uh, into these things. We get a buy now and it's time for uh, uh, the team to sharp, kind of sharpen their knives, uh, get healthy, uh, work on themselves and then start preparing for Air Force and uh, UNLV next week. And I think we'll see the turnaround next week. And I think you're going to see a good run of games over the next seven or eight games. I think you, you'll, you, you have a good chance to see seven and one over the next eight games. Um, if CSU starts playing to their potential, which I, I think they will, I'm very confident right now that they're going to, they're going to get it back. Joel, this team has too much experience, too many good players, too much maturity and too much intelligence that I, yeah, everybody's disappointed, but, uh, they lost these two games. They didn't get one of them or both of them, but the bottom line is there's still a lot of season to go and I'm feeling really, really good about them. Uh, you're exactly right. Here's the thing, like, 
Obviously, we wanted to win those games. Who doesn't want to win all their games? We didn't. We lost. You know what? If if someone mentions Marquette, like, hey, do you think Marquette's a good team? Yes, they're a great team. What? You know what their record is in the Big East right now? Two and two. They lost two games at, on the road, two games at home. You know what, Purdue, the number one ranked team, what their record is in the Big Ten right now? Two and two. They lost their two games on the road, two games at home. They lost to Northwestern and Nebraska. Those are the teams that they've lost to. We've lost to, we lost to two teams in very tough environments, in games where we didn't play well, and we still had the shot to win. People need to relax. You're not giving CSU enough credit. You're not giving the Mountain West enough credit. This is a legit basketball league. Other than Air Force, I, every team in this conference can win at home. San Diego State almost lost to San Jose State last night at San Jose State. This is a three-point game, and, and it was a tight battle from start to finish. And it's, it's, it's we ignore so much CSU people saying, well, CSU doing CSU things. No. Like, we got a good team, and it is not even close to time to push the panic button. We got the best player in the league. We got a great coach in Medved. They didn't have the best the best road trip. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah. Hey, Mikey, uh, playing on that, that point you made about Purdue, their two conference road losses in the Big Ten were to teams to Northwestern and Nebraska that are lower rated than Utah State and Boise State. Um, we had two tougher games on the road we lost, and uh, Purdue dropped a game to a team that was ranked, I think, right about the same as Boise State, Nebraska. Purdue lost by 16 last night. They weren't in it. And, you know, you want to know why uh, Nebraska won? They made threes. It was as simple as that. Um, things happen. Um, you make shots, you win games. And uh, and so, I, you know, those were two tough games. And, and pointing to this, you know, the people don't realize how tough the Mountain West is. They compare it to, you know, it's like, well, it's not the SEC in football. Well, you know what? It's darn, It's not as far away from the Big Ten in basketball as you think it is. Um, it's a darn good conference with seven really good teams this year. And uh, we're going to have games like that. And we, we were competitive in, uh, in those games. And so it happens. It's just one of those things. Well, I appreciate you guys talking me off the ledge. Um, when you calm down, take a deep breath, you realize that, Look, Utah State's 15 and one. It's always a difficult place to play for anybody to go in there and win. Boise's won at what, 22 straight home games, something like that? Yep. Uh, the, the conference is as tough as it can be. Uh, we obviously just lost to two of the top teams on the road. And uh, on a, an encouraging note, the defense continues to bring in. I feel like there's a couple of times that we didn't get the, the key stops that we needed to, but as a whole, I think. Start to finish in games, we play a good brand of defense, and that's going to be a key to excelling uh, as we get deeper into conference play here. you got to defend in this league. Um, so I, I think the offense will come back. I think we get back on track against Air Force. Uh, what is that, next uh, Tuesday? So we have a little bit of time, a few days here to, to rest up, get ready for Air Force. That's a, just what the doctor ordered to get back on track at home. Then you get UNLV the following Friday at home which will be a good test. 
but those are two games you got to have before you go on the road again at Nevada and at rival Wyoming. So not a whole lot of rest for the weary in this league, but uh, as the boys said, not time to panic. I know it was frustrating, but uh, good to hash this out and uh, encourage you to go listen to Steve's emergency, or emergency podcast from earlier today as well, as he is always enlightening. So, all right, fellas. Well, had to uh, break away from my sales conference just to schedule this little call with you. I got to get back to it. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time. You bet. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Mikey. And uh, we'll see you next Tuesday, I hope. See you on Tuesday. You got it. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Go Rams.